Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and to get the podcast kick-started for 2017, after several false starts and technical issues, I am very pleased to be finally rejoined by the original podcast gangsters in my friends John and Neil to talk a little bit about the NBA's Eastern Conference. So, gentlemen, first off, how are you guys doing this evening? Fantastic. Can't complain. Well, there'll, be lots complain. Of, there'll be lots of complaining to do when we talk about the Bulls. So we'll, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> well, there's plenty of complaining to do when we talk about the Wizards. Yeah, yeah. But I like to focus Basically, on the Bulls, at least for right now. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll spend plenty of time bitching about both. But for those of you who follow the podcast, you'll notice that when we did our season preview a couple of months ago, we broke down the Western Conference, and then there was a little bit of a cliffhanger with the East. And long story short, we recorded an Eastern Conference preview, but with the aforementioned technical issues and technology thwarting us, or me specifically, yet again, it never really saw the light of day. So about one-third of the way of the, into the season, I thought we'd kind of take a spin around the East as it currently stands and kind of close that loop. So I figured we'd break down the East by looking at a few individual teams. Well, first we'll start looking at the top of the the, uh, the state of the East. We know Cleveland's the best, and after the move they made this evening, we're recording this on Thursday evening the 5th, they might have only gotten better. Toronto and Boston are the next tier. And then you kind of got a mosh pit of like seven teams that are all within three games of each other as of today being Thursday. So you got Charlotte, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Indiana, Chicago, Washington, and New York. And then we won't really get into the dregs of the conference, but back to the aforementioned mosh pit, you have the Wizards. Um, as of the... As of December 3rd, Washington was 6-12. and 12. Everything looked horrible. We were ready to write off the season. And then... Including that loss of December second, uh, but including that loss of December second against 2nd, the Heat uh, against San Antonio, where they lost to the oh. Spurs in early December, they went ten and five, and they actually climbed out of December with a five hundred record. Now they lost the last two nights to Houston and Dallas. They're back down to below five hundred and back down to ninth place in the East. But behind the Bulls, uh, for not for long, hopefully. But yes, <laughs> behind the Bulls, looking up at everyone besides New York, I believe it is is. No, wait. We're ninth out of the out of those last six out of those last six teams, behind the other three as well. New York is behind you, as they're they six, should be. Yeah, they're sixteen and nineteen by like half a game. So, so here's the thing, right? Everyone thought like, oh, you're gonna bring, you bring in Jan Mahin me, and you brought in you know the poo poo platters, the bench. But the whole focus is like, well, we're gonna be a we're gonna be a better defensive team because you know we clearly need to improve our defense under the Randy Whitman regime. So instead, surprise, surprise, they worse. turned out to be a good. Well, they got worse on defense, and we'll cover that in a second. But then they're actually pretty proficient on offense. They're sixth in the East, averaging 105 points a game. Um, they were the sixth highest offensive rated team in December. And they're bottom ten in the defense. They're bottom ten in the NBA in defense. They're actually lower than Philadelphia in defensive in uh, def- points allowed per game with 106. So that's not good when you're out being outscored by your opponents more than um, the points you score, even though you're a good offensive team. Again, <laughs> it's driving Scotty Brooks there. nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. How do you, how do you guys think the Scotty Brooks experiment's working out? I don't think it's a whole lot better than the Randy Whitman. It's exactly what I thought it would be. It's why don't Wall, Beal, and Porter just do things and hope for the best? 
Like remember, yeah. when, remember, Scotty Brooks was like everyone's like, well, his entire offense is just KD and Westbrook. Like do things, do things, like do yep. things and make things happen. It's kind <laughs> of the same thing here, and it's one of those things you look back and you're like, are we surprised about this? Like, isn't this nope. exactly what we were all worried about, or exactly what everyone said? And it's like, wait a second, that's exactly what's happening. Was anybody really happy to get him? You know, well, we were was, just happy to move on from no. Whitman. It was yeah. just get get by Whitman, just get rid of it. Like it, it was, we'll take a ham sandwich instead of. Whitman. But everybody would like. I I distinctly remember being upset that they only interviewed Scott Brooks and said, "Okay, we're done. Our coaching search is over." It's like, no, no, no. Take take a little more time. Scott Brooks might not be the best option out Listen, there. Listen, in any uh, employment situation, the first resume you get is always the best resume you get. There is never, and I mean never, a possibility that another better resume could come in. So always accept the first one, even if that shit's written crayon, and you know they spell your with a U. Like that's that is the best option to go at all times. And you know, my, I mean, and my name is Ernie Grunfeld. You know, Tucker and Frank Vogel aren't, you know, didn't get on the market till late and they definitely aren't better than Scott Brooks. So it's funny because it's, it's, it is a very much reminiscent of last year, minus John Wall being better, Bradley Beal being somewhat healthy, Otto Porter taking a little bit of a leap, and then Morris and Gortat doing Morris and Gortat things more or less. Like their first team unit is one of the better five-man groups in the league. The problem is... But that's been the case forever. It's been the same case for like four years now. status quo. Behind that, when you get to the genius that is Ernie Grunfeld, again, there's nothing. Like, it's... You're expecting the five-man group to do everything, and they're one of the most... I think they've... There's a stat that they are the second-highest-used five-man starting rotation in the NBA. Only Minnesota uses their starters in their five-man group more. Only because, Minnesota has a worse bench than Washington. Exactly. That's, that's another way of putting it. And that's a fact. Like, literally, Washington has the second worst bench behind um, Minnesota. But the thing is, it's like, the worst part is, wait, the whole concern with Beal is that he gets injured and that we need to limit his minutes, yet we're running his ass into the ground already so, in C- December. CSN did a great story. I think it was today or maybe it was yesterday, but I had to write it down. They did this tremendous breakdown of the uh of the ep- of the epicness of the Wizards bench. Get ready for this. Hold on to your butt. They are 29th in points per game. Second, you know, second to last only behind only ahead of Minnesota. 28th in three-point percentage, 30th in free throw attempts. 30th in rebounds, 30th in assists, 30th in blocks, 28th in plus minus at minus 2.8, and 26th in steals. Yeah, Holy phenomenal. shit. Wow, that's yeah. pretty piss poor. This and is the money we blew our was... cap load to get that. Exactly. This is the money we used that we were earmarking for Kevin Durant where he's like, I want no part of this garbage, and this is what we resulted in it. Yeah, so instead of, you know, offering John Will the goodwill extension that, like, Russell Westbrook got and James Harden got, we, we blew it on Jason Smith and Andrew Nicholson, like, two of the worst bench players on this team. Jason Smith is, like I said, he's just, he's a, he's a guy. I mean, he is. He's a tall white guy. That's what he is. He's a tall white guy. There's nothing more than you can say about him. And the rest of the guys, good Lord. I mean, Trey Burke is. Trey a, Burke. Trey Burke is one of those. Like he'll tantalize you for one game and then have nine piss poor ones after that. You mean when he's when he shot he was like eleven of thirteen that against one night, the Nets, right? 
And then you have Marcus Thornton, and I I, I have, hate Marcus. Thornton. I have an attitude every time Marcus Thornton gets on the court. Like I want to throw yeah. something every time he checks into the game. Yep. I, I just look at him. I, I just can't believe he's still in the league. Like, like, if the Wizards cut him, no other team's picking him up. I mean, your two biggest bench guys are, like, in terms of salary, are Andrew Nicholson and Jason Smith. The rest of the guy, and, I mean, Trey Burke at 3.3 mil is 3.3 mil too much. But, and those are 10th, 11th, and 12th guys on your roster. Like, those are the guys that should be filling out your 10, 11, and 12 spots, not your 6, 7, and 8 spots. Why are you paying no. Martell Webster, man? <laughs> He's 2.5 mil on your books. Because <laughs> Ernie gave him a big fat contract after one good healthy season. No, uh, that was the that was a grease the wheel contract with with Wall's old agent. Wall's old agent said, I'll give you this extension if you can throw in a little something, something for Martell because they had the same agent. So basically they gave Martell a godfather contract saying, we know you literally have no vertebrae in your back and you have the same uh, spinal fortitude as a jellyfish. But here's like $12 million just so we can re-sign Wall. That was one of those deals. That was a package deal. It's like, you know, LeBron's like, I'll sign with you, but first got to sign Tristan Thompson to $100 million first. Like, it, it, was, very, it was a watered-down microcosm of that. Very watered-down. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I At least Tristan I would Thompson like to, has a spine. Yeah, and gets tons of offensive rebounds. I would like to defend Kelly Oubre because I think he does lots of things on the court. He Kel- does lots of good things on the basketball court. Kelly Oubre and especially Otto Porter have been like things in the John in the John parlance. Like they have done so many things. They are energy guys that are long. They do a little bit of everything, and that's really their skill set is things. Oubre gets the fourth quarter minutes over Markeith. Like their, I think their best lineup really is Porter at the four, Oubre at the three, and then you know Wall, Beal, and Gortat. Unfortunately, that's our entire upside that we have to bank on right now because we really have nothing else considering how well we've spent the rest of our money and what our future prospects are in terms of making any moves in free agency because we have no money to do so. So the, our hope is that you know Wall, Beal, Porter, Ubre, and whoever plays the five spot is eventually going to morph into something – is eventually going to morph into a lineup that one day is all of a sudden going to turn into the death lineup of the Warriors because that's really all we have to pray about. It's going to be the sick lineup, not really well, a death lineup. It'll be something that'll get you ill, but it won't win you games. I was going to say, it's, it's the not common cold it. lineup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the flu-like I, symptoms lineup. I think <laughs> Mahimi would be, if he was healthy, would be a better fit for the, the five spot just because he is a better rim protector. But and is I think he that's really better would... than Gortat? I mean, yes, he is a better rim protector than Gortat. He's a better rim protector. But is he really better as a player overall than Gortat? Gortat's actually had no. a decent season. So no, I don't think he is. Mo- but in that lineup, he would be because that's what they need. They need somebody that that is a is another strong defender with all those guys spacing the floor. So it's like I already have a delicious ham sandwich or delicious, excuse me, club sandwich. And now I'm going to spend a lot of money to replace it with a delicious BLT sandwich. I'm like, it's the same fucking thing. It is the same thing. But it's like what we said when we saw them, uh, the the one, the game that we went to where it's like, Gortat, like, couldn't you just, anybody, Wall can throw assists to anybody and lobs to anybody and get them easy baskets and they'll dunk it. So it's kind of like an irrelevant position, right? You need somebody theoretically speaking, big and tall in the center. So you have Gortat. But the problem is you triple down on it with 
behind me, and then Jason Smith, and then probably some bum that I'm forgetting right now. And their whole strategy when everyone was going towards wing players is we signed centers. And Daniel, we signed centers and forwards. Daniel right. Ochefu. Who the fuck is, who is that? Yeah, yeah. Ochefu's been... He's all right. He's he's a good end of the bench guy. He's somebody right. that you actually want on the end of your bench to develop him and um, you know, Sheldon McClellan. You know the the, the McClellan whatever. They're good guys to have on your team to develop, but you you definitely don't want to count on them on a can, nightly can Mark basis. Keith, can Mark Keith play the five in a very small ball lineup? Yes. So has uh, has um, Brooks rolled that out and Ubre Porter in limited uh, minutes? How I think they like. Do? Very limited. We're saving that for the playoffs we won't make. (laughs) (laughs) I do think they make the playoffs. I really do think they make the playoffs. The second they – I was actually surprised that they got um, two 500 before the calendar turned over. That actually really shocked me, and that gave me hope for them to actually make the playoffs this year. It's so frustrating because they were very competitive against Houston – they were up by, I think, nine in the third quarter. In the third quarter, the infamous They were up quarter. by 20 in the second. Yeah, I turned it on. I started watching it, I think, after the second half. They were smoking them, but, I mean, that's because James Harden was 0 for 5 from three-point land. You're like, that's not going to um, keep last. going. Yeah, in exactly. Very, in very vintage uh, Wizards history, it's the most random guys, like – Against Dallas, it was Devin. I have, I have Devin Hester written in my notes. This is awesome. Instead of Devin Harris, De- I have Devin, Devin Hester. Harris. Yeah. Devin <laughs> Harris, Darren Williams, and Seth Curry. So Dar- Devin What's... Harris, Darren Williams, and Seth Curry hit 12 three-pointers against them. Just those three guys. That was more than the entire Wizards team. Yeah. Everybody bombs threes against – well, the Wizards don't shoot threes. We don't so shoot So back threes. to like the Whitman thing. Like, So what did they do when Randy Whitman was the coach? They shot tons of mid-range shots and not enough threes. And what are they still doing? Shooting tons the same of damn shots thing. And not enough threes. Same damn thing. The Wizards Have are you... fourth in terms of the most mid-range shots taken per game. Yeah, I bet the Bulls are uh, are third or second or yeah, you're high ten. up there. We'll get you there. Yeah. Don't worry, we're, we're we're getting there the, in a second. Have you looked at the Wizards' last ten games? Their schedule. At Cleveland, at the Lakers, at the Clippers, at Utah, at Golden State. Home against Charlotte at the Knicks, who are going to be playing hard for a spot. Uh, they have a home and home with Miami, and uh, that's sandwiched with an at Detroit. That's, that's a hard. That's a tough last ten, man. If you're gonna oh. make the playoffs, you better you better have a you know you better be plus eight on the. Uh, I was gonna say uh, they better be at least six games above five hundred by that point. <laughs> Listen, I'm really confident because at that time we're gonna have Jan Mahinmi in the lineup, so. I mean, that at Golden State game should be fine. Like, I'm not worried about that one whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 be... that's, that stretch of games at Cleveland, Scott at Brooks Los Angeles. Scott defend Durant, right? Oh, Scotty everyone Brooks does, yeah. Oh, yeah, Scotty, yeah. Scotty Brooks has done a great job in the past with those types of things. I mean, is it really that hard? Like, at Cleveland, at Los Angeles, at L.A., at Utah, at Golden State? Like, that's fine. Like, we're, we'll be okay at that stretch. We won't go 0-6. Yeah. 0-5, <laughs> yeah, I... sorry. Nick Young is gonna, um, you know, Nick, just Nick Young is gonna all over him. Out. Yeah, it also it, it doesn't really bother me about the fact that with the last out of the last twelve games, like nine of them are on the road, and we have one of the worst road winning percentages in the league. Like, I think we'll be fine. Like, I'm really, really, you know, just like everyone the Wizards like to say is, this is fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, not so much, not at all. 
Yeah, Boston's in there a little bit before that. Yeah, should be a good run. Should be a good run. And not to be lost in our misanthropic ways of the uh, of the Wizards is uh, John Wall playing at the highest level of his career, though. He's balling. He is. Um, you know, it's good to see the NBA recognizing him, considering he is. I just saw something that he is seventh among all point guards in All Star voting. No, seventh so, amongst guards. Yeah, same thing. So, so who is number one? Kyrie. Kyrie Irving. Who's number like, two? Are you serious? I'd like to. I point hope out- Russell is there. Who's no, number no, this two? Is just, this is in the East. In the East. This is the who's oh, number two? Oh, oh, oh. Do you know Dwayne who, Wade. Do you know who's slightly below, who's just behind John Wall? John Wall is only ahead of Jeremy Lin. Yeah. You want to know who's ahead of John Wall? Is Derek Rose ahead Derek of Rose. Derek Rose. Yes. Derek Rose, boy, six. Four, Derek Rose has 42,000 more votes than John Wall. Where's Isaiah Thomas? This is why the is fans Isaiah should Thomas not even vote. Mentioned? Yes, uh, John Isaiah Wall has Thomas. And, is, I mean, uh, Isaiah is Thomas is one hundred and ten thousand votes more than John Wall. One hundred ten thousand. John Wall is about eighty-seven thousand votes and change, and Isaiah Thomas is just under two hundred thousand votes. I, I I was wondering. I was like, does John Wall even make the All Star? Well, clearly, Derrick Rose has played so well this year. Well, Go no, ahead. I'm I'm not even like. <laughs> that's fan voting. Fans are idiots. Um. But you know, there's a lot of. There's no well, way Beal makes it. There's no changed, chance in hell. Didn't they change it such that the fans get like fifty percent? Fifty percent, and then and the then, players get twenty five, and then media gets twenty five. Correct. Thirty yes, secrets, which is good because they're trying much to, better. You have hope. They're trying to avoid, you know, Yao Ming getting voted into the starting lineup when Kobe. he doesn't play a damn game. Yeah, Kobe. Same. Yeah, shit. exactly. But it, the fact that Dwayne Wade could get. Dwayne Wade has no business going to the, this year's All Star game. Well, the Bulls have been great this year, so Dwayne Wade should be a representative for their team. And it's there you go. It's normal. It's very normal for you Dwayne. know Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan. They haven't had great years. They they don't deserve to be ahead of Dwayne Wade in the starting lineup whatsoever. <laughs> Dwayne Wade has twenty five thousand votes more than Demar Derozan, who's been one of the best scorers in the NBA this season. He's been amazing. Demar Derozan, absolutely that, amazing. That home yeah. opener we went to against Toronto single handedly tanked our team. Yeah, forty that night. Yeah, I never gave that dude enough credit. I never thought he could like do the kind of shit that he was that he's pulling off. I but before that game, I was like, he's going to kill us, and he did. He was he was fantastic against us. He was one of those like he just hit demoralizing shot after demoralizing shot, and it was so it was just like you just kind of tip your cap and like yep, we we can't go toe for toe with him. Um, back to Wall, just under 24 points a game. He's in the top 15 in scoring. He's ahead of Paul George, Kyle Lowry, Carmelo Anthony, who's never met a shot that he doesn't want to take, and Carl Anthony Towns. He's third in assists at 10 per game, only behind Harden and Westbrook. He's number Harden. one. Harden! Yeah, Harden. Harden is leading guards in assists. Leading. Yeah, he's leading guard And West- Westbrook's leading in assists. And then Harden and Westbrook are just both scoring at phenomenal rates too. So not only are they putting it in the hoop, they're they're getting the assist. Russell Westbrook is just another force. He is a freak of nature this year. There's just well, no other way to put it. Well, he has nobody else on his damn team. It doesn't matter. Like even against that game in Oklahoma City, it's like no matter the Wizards were in it until Westbrook is like, no, no, I'm going the to West- take over now. The, just, the Wizards were spanking them. Yeah, and then Russell Westbrook took over and uh, annihilated them. Yeah, he decided to wake up because he was asleep for three quarters. And then when he turned it on, it's like, yeah, there's just there's no stopping you. Like, there's just no stopping him. 
Well, Wall didn't even try to defend him. He just like did the <laughs> Olay bit and yeah. just let him go to the hoop, and it just pissed me off. He does that a lot. Anytime he goes up against like a premium point guard, he just doesn't expend the energy on on the defensive end. He just lets the guy go and then decides to attack the rim on the offensive end. That's my one biggest qualm with Wall. Always has been, and I feel like it's always going to be that he talks about defense a lot. He is a team leader. He does care, but I don't and think he, he can be a good defender. Can, and we've like, seen was, him be a he was he great leads the league in steals. He was great with Pierce on the team, man. He was I don't know. Whitman actually taught him how to play defense and then that he last did. year when he lost the voice, it's it's just like, all right, now I'm gonna go back to like trying to get like you know, highlights. I do think Wall, I mean, Wall leads the league in steals at 2.3 a game, but he does freelance a little bit. Like, he is looking for them. Like, steals are a little bit of a misleading stats, kind of like Hassan Whiteside's blocks. Like, you know, if you're only looking for those, it's easy to kind of do well in that statistical category. He could be such a lockdown defender, especially with his size, and he has some length, but it's just that, that will is not there. That's my only one of my biggest qualms with him. Like if he really, really wanted to be a lockdown defender, he could be probably be one of the best defensive point guards in the NBA, if not frankly the best, because he's got the size and the in the in the the physical attributes to do so. Um it's nice to have them turned around because I remember I think it was in November, early November or something like that, there was that I think Brian Windhorse was on one of the podcasts, I believe it was on the Zach Lowe podcast, and he was talking about how Wall had made some comments after one of the game where he was like really assessing whether or not he's going to want to stay in DC and he's not happy about the direction of the franchise. And, you know, there was some talk about how he's basically felt that the entire franchise has regressed since the aforementioned Atlanta series, which you still can't argue that it hasn't because it has. Um, and then everyone was talking about like, well, they should trade him and what could you get? And then Bill Simmons was kind of banging that drum that they should trade him to Denver. And, or of course, you know, that, that whole alternate universe Boston reality so I don't know I mean I think he's going to be I think especially once this new wrinkle comes in with the collective bargaining agreement and he can make that super max money after his eighth year or whatever like I think they'll pay him a whole buttload of money once these really bad contracts come off but well they'll pay him regardless of whether the bad contracts are there but they have to yeah I you know they're gonna lose Gortat there's no way you can sign them both so Gortat's done after this contract. Yeah, There's no exactly. he's done because he's too old. He's old. They've got they've made their bed with Mahinmi for better or for worse. So, yeah, only for one more year though. You know, then they then they do have some space. But yeah, you're you guys are kind of screwed for the next two years. Yep, for nothing. Instead of for... being, we said this in the previous podcast. Instead of being Houston and you know rolling over your money and just waiting for that moment. We decided we're going to go overpay everyone. We're going to go spend $7 to the dollar for free agents that nobody, and I mean nobody, wanted. Jason Smith and Jan Mahimi. Not even well, Jan I'm sure Mahimi. guys wanted Jan Mahimi, but not at that price. And not I at that price. laugh my ass off if he doesn't even play a game this year. Well, doesn't play anymore. He played a half so far this season. See, That's the like, team won't care because I'm sure his contract is insured, and I'm sure, like, the Wizards... Well, I don't care about that. I just I just hope that, like, this just poorly reflects on Ernie and, like, they really move on. Please, for the love of God, move on. I am, and again, going back to the cynicism, I am deathly afraid that we make the eighth seed, you know, we get the doors blown off us in against Cleveland. Maybe we win one game in a five-game in a five game series against Cleveland. And then, he gets swept. He gets swept. Leon's this is like, well, there's progress. We made the playoffs, so let's uh, you know, let's re up with Grunfeld for three more years because it's, it's part a, of the, no, no, it's part just of the get plan. rid of him. 
Tommy Shepard. That's promote from within if that's what you want to do. Listen, positive pixels, man. They all have a plan. No one knows what the plan is, and they won't say what the plan is because it's such a great plan that they can't let anyone know what the plan is, but there's a plan, and they're going to stick to that plan. I'm sure the plan included having Durant not even want to take a meeting with us, but they had a plan. Yeah, phenomenal. It's, it's amazing. Okay, now that we're done beating up on the Wizards, can we get to Chicago? Yes. Uh, hey, we got Jimmy Butler, man, who is – Jimmy probably- Butler's a beast. So no, you have but- Jimmy Butler who's playing – I mean it's, it's, it's ridiculous to, to – He plays the same man. role as Dwayne Wade. But he's been doing like – he's basically been the Michael Jordan of that team. I'm not saying he's comparing him to Michael Jordan, but he's having to kind he's, of bail them out. Because he's like the LeBron of our team. He's like the best two-way guy we have. He's second best two-way player in the East by far. Uh, could be top three two-way player in the league. Um, dude is dude is having a season, man. And I, I you know, luckily this the podcast didn't get out there, but I definitely like questioned Jimmy Butler's ability to lead our team. And damn, I'm eating eating my words with with the season that dude is having. It's you basically have him whenever they decide to play McBuckets enough time. And that's about it. Yep. Uh, Dougie McBuckets is also very inconsistent for us. It's time to get over Nico. Nico has been a tough experiment. He just, I don't know what the hell happened. He's shown flashes, just can't cut it. I don't he know what shoot? his deal is. He, yeah, he can't. He's not a consistent shooter. Oh, Absolutely he shoots not. like 40% at best. Taj was having a great start to the season, and then he kind of fell off. Bobby Portis somehow went to the doghouse. We, Rajan Rondo is Rajan Rondo. I'm, you know, I can't imagine why anybody thought that was going to be a good move. Can we just so, clarify that his name is Rajan? Because I feel like he has an O in his name, and I have an A in my name, and like it's not. I, I like to differentiate to make sure that there is a. I am not associated with him. Just to put that out oh, there. So. I pronounce your name with the hard J, though. Not, yeah, that's not, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can really never hear on TV. So. We had Isaiah Kanan, who was jacking up all kinds of threes and just chucking up bricks left and right. I mean, we were good up until December, and then we decided to stop hitting threes. We're dead last in threes since December. You yep. were 9 and 5 uh, leading into Thanksgiving, and then you've been something like 8 and 13 since then. Yeah, it's been pretty shit. Yeah. And yet we still beat San Antonio. We beat a healthy Cleveland team. And then we follow that up with a shellacking by Dallas and just cannot beat Milwaukee. You lost to Minnesota twice, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Milwaukee's right. awesome, though. God. Yeah, Milwaukee, yeah, but Milwaukee beat us by 20-plus three times. That should speak volumes. Well, they beat Warburg's us by 20-plus one time, one and time, then we yeah. beat them. So here's what happened. We played Milwaukee back on back-to-back days, and then about— we did the same. Week, a week or two later, we play them again. They beat us by 20-plus points each freaking game. Yeah, at least we picked up a win. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, like completely the, unacceptable. The Wizards got like totally pissed off about Giannis playing in like garbage time minutes just yeah. to collect stats. They felt like and then they said, stats. we're, we're going to get you the next night at home. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna mess you up. And they, they did a really good job. It was also back. because of the fact that we, for some reason, play really well at home and really horrendously on the road. Well, that's because our home crowd is so energetic and so awesome. <laughs> yeah, that they care it doesn't sound like so a goddamn much. mausoleum every time we go to the Verizon Center that if you speak at normal volume, you feel like you're speaking loudly in a library. On, on <sighs> a tangent, as we speak about Milwaukee, did you see the um, promotion that they're running for their no. home no. games? They were 
uh, running a deal where you buy a package and it's a guaranteed 10 wins. So you basically get tickets for every game until they've won 10 times. That's, that's great, but I think in Milwaukee it's unique because they desperately need people to show up. Well, exactly, but that's – I mean, but I think there's a fair amount of um, you know franchises that could benefit from something like that. No, The Wizards I, I, the Wizards would never do it because Leonsis cares way too much about his money. He would never give away a free ticket to a game. Leonsis nope. only gives nope. a damn about putting asses in seats, and I, I will – Fight! I will fight that tooth and nail. Like he does not give one damn as long. The only reason he cares about the Wizards going to the playoffs is it's two extra home games. Doesn't yep. give one damn about this team winning or being a a, a winning franchise. Does not not one bit. If he did, he would have fired Ernie years ago. But he does. The only he reason he's kept Ernie around is because Ernie's cheap. He's cheap, and he doesn't have to pay the contract off for, or he doesn't have to pay two general managers. Theoretically speaking, if he fired Ernie too far, too early into his nebulous, mysterious contract. And and Randy Whitman was super cheap. We just let his contract play out. How much is Scotty? I don't think it's that much because I don't think Scotty was going to make a whole butt ton of money elsewhere. Uh, definitely more than Whitman. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, he's, he's making more than Whitman. I think you might be making more than Whitman. I mean, it's. <laughs> I wish I could make more than an NBA coach. Yeah. Back to the Bulls for a second. I love Damn. I love all the bloggers coming out because it is so true. Like it's a captain hindsight type of thing where it's like it's so obvious when you look back on it. Like did you really think this was going to work or what made you think this was a good idea when you were doing it? Like there was a – I think there was a bit on the ringer today where they said it so well. And they were like the Bulls are constructed in a way that makes it seem like their front office hates their pace and space head coach. <laughs> Well, we have yeah. a we have a, a point guard who is very um, you know combative with any coaching plays for except Doc Rivers somehow. Uh, what, what was it? He needs Ubuntu or whatever the hell that is. Um, we have Dwayne Wade who you know will run sometimes. Um, Todd Gibson has really bad knees. Uh, he just doesn't sh- bad legs actually. And Dwayne um, Wade's Jimmy. never been a good three point shooter. That's his thing. He's no. never been a good three point shooter. And he you- started out the season so well with it though. That's what was like, oh, wow, this is what got people like, oh, see, I told you. And then he, like, regressed to the mean. But it's like, how could you possibly expect that to last? He's older than we are. Because people are stupid when it comes to sports, man. Okay, but if you're the franchise decision maker, <laughs> you can't be stupid. I mean, unless you're Ernie Grunfeld. Like, you can't be that stupid to think, like, well, a 30s. We know. have had a crap GM for the past, you know, we, we've been, like, under the radar of shit GMs for a while. But I think it's it's definitely coming out. I mean... Our front office doesn't know what it's doing. It's amazing. Like, it's like yeah. it's it's like it's like high, it's like going to Italy, finding a really upscale Italian restaurant, hiring the chef of this really high upscale Italian restaurant, bringing him to the U.S., asking him to open up a really high up high end upscale restaurant, and then giving him bologna to work with. I was gonna say Cheerios, <laughs> right? Bologna and Cheerios to work with, and then be like, "Well, how come?" And then and then going around everyone saying. You know, I'm not really that big of a fan of Italian food anyway, so but I love me some bologna and Cheerios. I really hope you're not comparing Fred Hoiberg to a high-end Italian chef, though. I mean, theoretically, metaphorically no. speaking, that's what it is. Like, you went to college and you it's talked about the fact— It's just a mismatch. Like, you talked about the fact, like, well, he's be, his teams are well-prepared, and they play the pace-and-space game, and that's where the NBA is going. And that's all the shit that Gar Foreman or Gar Pax said in the introductory press conference. Gar, Gar Paxdorf. 
Yeah, exactly. And then all of those, and then you gave him nothing to fit that system. Yep. Uh, I mean, I can't really disagree. We we don't have the brightest front office. Really, they just wanted a yes man. They wanted like they just needed to move on from Thibs, and they needed a guy who would just you know kind of be a whipping boy for a little bit. And now the dude. And now there's talk yeah. about they're going to fire Hoiberg. And it's like, and you think that's going to be the solution? You think that's all of a sudden going to make Rajon Rondo play better? Right. It's going to make your um, your lineup more accurate from three-point line? Did you see that Cleveland was eyeing uh, Rondo? You know, if, if he gets released or if he gets traded or whatever. They're, they're trying to – they might try to make a play there too. They, they could use a backup point guard now that they Absol- lost Bo Williams. Yeah, they absolutely could. I just think Rondo's the type of guy who's going to be moody and bitchy if he goes anywhere. He's not yeah. going to be moody if they're winning. Right. That's I the... still think he is. But he's a he's a backup at this point, right? Anybody that thinks anything else is crazy. Do you really I think would say. Like the, LeBron is going to stand for the fact that Rondo will take the ball across his court, even if it's in six, six minutes a game, and like dribble it for 20 seconds on the shot clock and make a really bad pass hoping for the assist, and then give somebody a stink eye when they don't shoot it, or they don't make it? Like, I don't know. I uh, know. Rondo, I mean, LeBron will just will be able to set him in his place. I don't, I, I don't understand. I don't see you know, Rondo being able to defend anything that he does that's stupid on, on a LeBron team. He 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 whipped Kyrie into shape. I you know that's Kyrie, true. Kyrie is a much better player now, and I don't see Rondo lasting if if he can't abide by the LeBron. I just don't see it. But are the Bulls going to just outright let him go? No, they they try to trade him. He's still under contract for next they're gonna, year. They're going to buy him out. They have to buy him out. They're going to try like until the trade deadline. They're going to know that no one's going to trade for him, and they're going to buy him out after the after the trade deadline's over. It's got to happen. Uh, good money well spent. Good job, Chicago. You literally hired a, a fairly reputable chef and then handed him bologna, Cheerios, and broccoli to work with. And then be like, make something happen, dude. Right? And then you're like, oh, this guy's not very good. And it's like, look at the crap you've surrounded with him. Now, granted, I mean, and then you're putting, we, and we said this in the never aired Eastern podcast, like giving him guys like, headstrong guys like Wade, who's played for great coaches and won this league, giving him Rondo, who doesn't listen to a damn thing, and then you know, a bunch of other guys who who are pretty much loyal to Tibbs and then asking Hoiberg to be able to lead those personalities. Like, this is a dumb idea, and it's it's such a Captain Hindsight moment. Like, why didn't we see this before? Like, this is so obvious. Yeah, except everybody saw it as it was happening. Everybody saw it. Like, the second they signed Wade, you're like, you have Jimmy Butler, and then they're like, wait, Rondo? What? Yeah. Let's bring in a guy that, like, you know, him and Wade have beef. Fantastic. Right. That sounds like a great idea. He has beef with your best player on the team. But other than that, it should be fine. They needed to bring in a Chicago native. Like I think they were still kind of getting a lot of lash from uh you know, backlash from the, the Rose trade and oh you're getting rid of our Chicago son and then it's like, No, but wait, look, there's Wade. He's also from Chicago and he's always dreamed about playing for the Bulls uh, because we're paying him a crap ton more than anybody else ever would. And we just want to sell tickets. Yep. Well, I mean, it sound familiar? It sounds exactly familiar. Can we yeah. get can we get sounds on the Derek, like every NBA franchise? Can we get on the Derrick Rose train for a second? Because I I want to underscore what a colossal train wreck that asshole has been in New York. And we said it again in the never aired Eastern podcast. Like, what is the upside of Derrick Rose? 
So again, it's a it's a cheap experiment. I mean, they can let him go. He's doing they can ex- let him? exactly what. So you traded whatever to get him. They traded it was Robin pieces, Lopez essentially, which, and then Jerry and Grant, who I think the Bulls have traded again since then. So whatever. No, he's still on the team. Okay, yeah. so he's still on the team. He's still on the Motley crew of of. Uh, of players that don't necessarily work together. But at least uh, Sideshow Bob is a, a basketball player. Yes, I agree. So there was one game they were talking about this where Derek Rose was basically playing, and he shot like 9 of 28. It was one of the, it was like the last week of December against Atlanta, and he was almost refusing to give the ball to Porzingis. It's like Porzingis was wide open multiple times, and Derek Rose was like, no, nah, I'm going to take this one. I'm good. He still does dumb shit. I mean, I, I I get to see the Knicks and the Nets play a lot more now uh, based on Perillo. And, like, I still, like, have a soft spot for Rose. I'm sorry. I'm going to admit that. But, uh, I, you know, I've seen him do flashes of brilliance, and then he caps it off with something – with some very crucial turnover at the end that loses him the game. So it's it's the same guy. He's just producing a little less. We he's shooting, this- shooting 45% from the field. I mean, he's he's dishing out way less assists for a team. He's dishing out 4.4 assists, which is terrible. I mean, for a point guard with Porzingis and Mello, I don't understand how you don't have, like, double-digit assists every day. I would say at least eight. Minimum eight. Yeah. We yeah, said it's... this in the in the off-season podcast. You have Derek Rose. You already have Carmelo Anthony, who is a black hole. And you've got a bunch of guys who don't work together. Joe, Joe Kim Noah. Surprise, surprise, is injured and past his prime. Nobody would have ever guessed that. No one would have ever imagined that you signed Noah to a big deal that is not going to look good pretty much from day one, and you knew he was broken down from being overused in Chicago. No one would have guessed that, but apparently that's coming to fruition. And you have a bunch of guys with big personalities who want the ball, who are used to being the guys on their team, and they're all going to hog the ball, and they're going to not give it to the one guy who is transcendently talented. And, and by that, you mean Chris Stapps. Yeah, by that, I mean Porzingis. And then on top of that, I love Jeff Hornacek coming out a couple of days ago. He's like, not only does no one on my team play defense, <laughs> he's like, I don't even think they're physically capable of playing defense. <laughs> that is like a damning, damning, like, uh, you know, statement by by your head coach. That's just embarrassing. I, I don't really know how else to, to put that. Oh, and don't forget Brandon Jennings. Don't forget about Brandon Jennings. Not only do you, do you not play defense, you are physically not capable of playing defense. That's how incompetent you are. That's what Jeff Warnesek said. Can anyone yeah. tell me Phil's not on cruise control? I, I just I, I can't. Oh, he doesn't give a shit. Well, he was, he you know, he's shits. going through a tough time with Jeannie. You know, I mean, that whole thing's you know was probably eating up all his all his cycles. I doubt that they've been like splitsville for a while. No, I'm just kidding, dude. It was yeah. a joke. <laughs> Incredible. No, Porzingis is amazing, though. He's I've, been you know, fantastic. I love watching him play. It's it, like I look at him like, damn, if Sean Bradley had talent, imagine the damage he would have done in the league at that time. It's uh, the dude is just ridiculous. Like he knows he can actually play solid help defense. Man on Mandy is eh, whatever, but he's like amazing on help. Can rotate really well. He needs he needs like a Thibs to teach him like you know some fundamentals or Tim Duncan. God, if Tim Duncan spent any time with Porzingis, just you're done, done. Yeah. On a side note, Re- Russell Westbrook has 49 points against the Rockets and they're <laughs> down by one. <laughs> What's Harden's box score at the moment? It's not great. He's uh, in like the 20s. 
Um, it's not great. He's in the twenties. <laughs> for him, he, the man averages over thirty points a game. Yeah, I know, but that's still like such high expectations. Um, I love the bit that they did, or that Bill Simmons was talking about with the NBA unicorns and kind of breaking down Porzingis, uh, Giannis, and uh, and Joel Embiid, and and how they're just so freakishly gifted at their size and their ability to do things. You know, at, at basically six eleven or seven feet tall, and it's amazing how athletic and how well rounded and you know, how talented they're and they are and what their upside is. And are we even seeing like, are we even seeing the full extent of their upside yet? I mean, segueing to Giannis, Giannis has been disgusting. Like Giannis that, is nasty. That guy is. And I, I love, I've always been fascinated by the idea of taking someone with that much talent and trying to make him a point guard. And that's basically what they're doing. He's a six foot 11 point guard who can like cover the court in like six steps it's it's incredible. I it, he's the one guy like I enjoy watching, especially because it's like his, who can guard him? Who can guard him? His stat line. Look at this. It's twenty four points per game, LeBron, nine rebounds, Kevin Durant, that's six it. assists, two blocks, and two steals. He fucking does everything. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah. Like the only thing he's missing is a consistent outside shot, but everything else he does, and. And when he goes up against big opponents, he's 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 willing to accept the challenge. Like when LeBron's in town, he wants he wants LeBron all day long. Which who wants that? Nobody wants to guard LeBron. Jimmy does. Oh, Jimmy's also a beast. I he's amazing. Like you know, if you look at that stat line, and you said before the season, you know, somebody's going to have this stat line in December or January. You'd be like. Oh, well, it's probably, you know, everyone was talking about Carl Anthony Towns or, you know, a lot of people would have said, like, this is Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis was a beast for the first quarter of the season. But Giannis is kind of, especially in, through December, but throughout the course of the season, he's just been so good. And I and then it's funny that him and Jabari Parker are now kind of stealing the thunder from Towns and, uh, and Anthony Wiggins. Everyone's like, that's the next great duo. That's the next you know, Superman, Batman combination. And now everyone's like, Oh, wait a second. It's, it's Giannis and Parker. And, and how Parker's kind of becoming a thing now as the, as the, the, the second banana to Giannis. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. He was forgotten about with that injury. Yeah. But, but, but speaking about towns and Wiggins, I asked this to uh, John the other day. Um, is, is Thibs a good coach? Thibs is a great coach. I think they're just not there yet. Is he though? But is but he, he went in his first year at, uh, with the Bulls, they did pretty well, and they had like you know the very young and talented Derrick Rose at the time. They had a pretty talented Noah and such. Um, now you have a talented Towns, you have a talented Wiggins, you have an athletic as hell Zach Levine. What what's up? Zach doesn't play defense, and Rubio can't score. But his right. whole his whole goal was to like teach them how to do that. That's what a coach a coach and they have no bench and they have no bench. They have no depth. This whatsoever. is true. Yeah, he had a bench mob at the time. Like Todd Gibson coming off the bench is exactly what you want. Um, I think Town, Towns' regression or Towns is taking a step back when everyone expected him to kind of take the quote unquote leap this year is one of the more frustrating things. I think we put too much on him too fast, and we have a habit of doing this in the media. Um, like we all expect Anthony Davis to be the next great thing. And then we realize he has literally nothing around him. And everyone's like, Oh, Anthony Davis is so washed up, even though he's, you know, breathtakingly gifted still. And he's been amazing, but we always, awesome here. we kind of overrate, we kind of 
we, we hype them up and then we're like, oh, he's no good because he didn't live up to our hype. And then we kind of just move on to the next thing. Like now it's Giannis instead of like before people were raving about Carl Anthony Towns being the most you know gifted player in the history of the NBA before the season started. Now we're already kind of forgetting about him. I mean, rightfully so with the, with, with the Timberwolves record, but if we just, I think we anoint people a little too fast and then we, you know, when they don't live up to our expectations, they're not putting up, a, you know, Russell Westbrook numbers every single game. We're like, oh, we're these no good now. Yeah, that's yeah can you imagine what happens if Russell, like, you, you're disappointed when Russell Westbrook doesn't have a triple-double at this point. Yeah. It's, uh, if he doesn't, like, average that for the season, it's going to be like, Man, that's a terrible year. He didn't average a triple double. He doesn't have one right now. No, he does not. But he's got a shitload of points. <laughs> but you just you look at every Russell Westbrook box score, and you're expecting like forty, fourteen, and twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But that's because yeah. you you know he can do it. You, one, you can do it. Two, what else do they have to actually put the ball in the hoop? And three, you know he can do it. I mean, he's just been Andre Roberson's excellent at basketball. You're probably not saying that with a straight face, but I think I might have. <laughs> he needs to be. They do a have three. Victor Oladipo, which I com- conveniently forgot about until I watched this game. Victor really Oladipo. Hasn't... There's another guy. I wanted him to be. He, he, it's it's one of those things. Like he has the intangibles. He just doesn't have the tangibles. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't have the fundamentals yet. He doesn't have the skills to be All the other good good things. (laughs) Uh, That's too bad. Roberson has the potential to be a decent 3-and-D guy, which is what any team needs. But, yeah, he's not showing that just yet. Yeah, he's got to work on that 3. He's got the D. He's got to work on that 3. He's only 3 tonight. Well, you remember in the playoffs, they just didn't guard him. Today, yeah, take this four on five basketball. They didn't even bother. Just take it. But he hit them in the playoffs. He did. He made them pay, and that's why they took uh, Golden State to seven. Uh, I can't believe Golden State lost that series. You mean Oklahoma City? No, I, I oh, mean you're talking about no. The, I'm talking about the finals. I'm still yeah, like, I know. I'm still like, I'm still sad. bitter. <laughs> I know. So because the worst part is. Cleveland, Cleveland might win it again. They're Cle- good, man. They're Cleveland coming awesome. back from 14 down on Christmas Day and, and beating Golden State. Like, I, I, you don't want to call a Christmas Day game a statement game, but that's it says something to, about the fact that they can come down from a, they can come back from a double digit deficit in the fourth quarter and still beat Golden State. And you know, and some people are like, are they in Golden State's head or is Golden State getting tight when they're you know playing against a team like Cleveland? But I think the biggest factor is Cleveland does isn't afraid of Golden State, even with Durant there. Well, I mean, they shouldn't be because LeBron has beaten Golden State and he's beaten Durant in the in the finals. So LeBron no LeBron is just like ridiculous. The dude knows how to read any team, and he he understands how that team operates very quickly. What was well, he's surprising? Also large and fast. Yeah. Yeah. Still. But, surprising about that yeah. game was that there was no like identity like where where is Steph Curry like in the fourth he just wasn't there and the fact that all year. Kevin yeah. Durant Durant letting Richard Jefferson get in his head in the fourth like what the hell so they just need to they need to mentally toughen up man I, I don't you know they cannot win if you're gonna let the likes of Richard Jefferson like get to you all the focus for the obvious reasons, has been on Golden State, but we were kind of alluding to it earlier. 
Kyrie Irving is he has taken another step, which is even dangerous considering he was so good in the finals, especially in the last three games. Well, and, shit, you complimented Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I, I did. I can't believe that. And I, I, that's the last person on earth next to like Des Bryant that I would ever compliment. But he's actually passing the ball. He's not being the Nick Young of the of the uh, of the Cavaliers. Uh, five double digit assist games in December. He averaged eight assists in December overall. Um, his he's at six assists per overall for the season. He had uh, over I suppose last year where he was under five. And more importantly, even like even LeBron's like, look, he gets it now. He's not trying to just come in and be like, look, I'm more talented and I can just huck shit up and I'm gonna kind of let let the game come to me. Like, no, he's actually kind of taking that professional leap in terms of understanding what it means to be an all around basketball player and 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 being the point guard of a team and not just being this combo guard score huck crap up and screw everybody else and it doesn't help the fact that kevin love is actually playing really well this season too yep he's he's balling he's just like yep i found my groove with this team time time to show you guys what what's up we talked about a lot he's actually healthy too that's another thing we don't realize he's healthy like the back problems really plagued him his first two years in cleveland and now and and they didn't they didn't introduce any wildly new chemistry they don't have to adjust to each other they know each other after a full you know season or two playing together and then you know golden state introduces this another alpha dog into their team and that that's certainly taken some toll on on uh, everybody there. Everybody, I, as we talked about, it's it's Steph that's been taking the beating on the the number scale. Yeah, you, you that's exactly what you want to do is degrade the performance of the first ever unanimous MVP. That's exactly what you want. Back to back unanimous. Yeah. I want to save the Golden State discussion for the next podcast, but it it, it definitely is true that you've turned. Steph Curry into the second banana and you've kind of taken Durant from Oklahoma City and made him the same as what he is in in Golden State now as being like the primary guy but you've almost made Steph Curry take a back seat as a result of that and it's like exactly to your point like you made the player who's pretty much the most gifted scoring savant we have maybe ever seen and taken him and made him to second banana that's because yep. you brought in another ridiculous scoring savant in Kevin Durant. Like, Kevin Durant can do everything on the basketball court. Everything. He's a phenomenal scorer. He can score from anywhere, and he can play incredible defense when he wants to. In the playoffs, he does. He's very yeah. Exactly. He's, he's I think very he's very much a playoff defender. He is, but I think he, he has also been very good at protecting the rim for Golden State because, well, Zaza Pachulia sucks. Do you see this big movement about trying to make Zaza make it to the All-Star game? And it's like, this is exactly what's wrong with the All-Star game. Yes. Who is pushing for this? Is this just a Golden State? The stupid fans. Yeah, it's the fans. He's like like second. In in front court players, he's like second in voting because, you know, oh, he plays on Golden State, so we got to vote for him. No, he's terrible. He's terrible. They went from being the best offensive and best defensive teams last year to this year they're still the best offensive team and they're just an okay defensive team. That's the thing I don't think enough people are talking about. They're not very good on defense this year. Nope. Not and they lost, they lost the last three games because Andrew Bogut was out. 
of the finals last year. Yep. That's Kevin, a, that's Kev- a very underrated player that, uh, you know, not many people really remember was even on that team. But anybody who watched, like, realized that Bogut was their rim protector presence. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, he Bogut. wasn't in the lineup of depth, but when he was in there, they were locked down. Kevin Love is one of only five players in the NBA who's putting up 20, 20 and 10 this year in terms of 20 points and 10 boards. It's him, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Russell Westbrook, and Boogie Cousins. That's it. And Jeez. Kevin Love. Didn't you want him on the Wizards? Boogie. Yes, I did yes. want him on the Wizards. I will still admit that. I did want him on the Wizards. I still think he would have been a genius stretch four on the Wizards. But that He would have is, fit really well, actually. He would have fit really well. That train has sailed, unfortunately. Now he's there. Yeah, the Wizards don't need a third scoring option, do they? No, and we haven't been searching for a stretch four for years. Every team is has like been totally searching. awesome. Uh, I mean, I like what Otto's doing there. He's playing well. Um, Otto's not a stretch four, traditionally speaking. He is in this NBA, and it's working fine. And as we were talking about earlier, the, the Porter, Ubre, Wall, Beal lineup is probably our hope for the biggest upside with whoever the hell is playing the five. But. Um, you know, like, it's funny, though. I'm, I'm looking at stats right now. Like, Golden State is number one in offensive rating, and they're fourth in defensive rating. So I don't know why, like, you know, and they, they still have the highest win percentage in the league, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're doing the thing where we're just expecting way too much out of them. But something definitely does look off. But when you just, have last year's success, and they're blowing the doors off teams, and they're, you know, they're resting, like, they've got Livingston and, and Festus in the fourth quarter on the floor, and, you know, and, and Curry can basically put his suit on and take a shower in the fourth quarter. You know, this year it hasn't been the same after adding Kevin Durant. But it's not to say the same that if you have, like, if all of those guys score 120 points a game and you add Durant's 25, now all of a sudden you get 145 points a game. Like, it's not the same. It doesn't, you know, the math doesn't work that way. Even though everyone thinks, theoretically speaking, that's how it should work. It, it's just not how it is. And in the whole, you know, as everyone's talked about, the chemistry experiment is still kind of unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, yeah. Random segue, but back to the East. Is Toronto good? Are we, are yes. we, are we sure that, I mean, I, I, yes, I, they're I, good. I begrudgingly good. know the answer, but. But can they beat Cleveland? No, no. they cannot. Who can? Who, who can in the East? Who's going to beat Cleveland? Who so then, like, the general? big storyline is if Toronto trades for Paul Millsap, is that enough for no. them to beat Cleveland? Because you can't replicate the chemistry that Cleveland has. But it could be enough if somebody gets hurt. Yeah, kind of like what if, happened at Cleveland. It would, have to be, it, would have yeah. to, it would have to be Kyrie. If I, I Kyrie yeah. or... Yeah, I don't yeah. think they can beat them even with a Kyrie LeBron. But if right. if, if it's yeah. Kyrie if it's LeBron in love, then I think that that can that might be doable. Yeah, Kyrie LeBron and 50% of love is still enough. And the rest of the guys, like they'll be fine. Not even mentioning Kyle Korver now. Oh my god, what a starting five. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty nice. Kyrie Except Kyle Korver's thirty five. It doesn't even old. matter. You don't even need doesn't to play matter. Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver is the Ray Allen of what the Miami Heat teams were. I mean, it's almost the same thing. Just warm him up, play him fifteen minutes a game, let him come off the bench. The dude can roll out of bed and start hitting threes, thirty five or not. That's what he's there for. He's just another option. They swapped out Mike Dunleavy for Kyle Korver. Yeah, no, that's a good swap. They were like, "Oh, J.R. Smith is hurt. Okay, let's get another three three baller." 
Isn't right. that like the inverse of what the Bulls did? Didn't the Bulls swap Kyle Korver for Dunleavy? Uh, uh, Essentially, when they let him go. Garpax is Basic, Basically. Yeah, I mean, so, we, we so, broke so up Cleveland our did the exact that. opposite, which is way smarter. Uh, GM yeah. LeBron strikes again. GM LeBron is greater than Garpax. That's not uh, hard. We're greater than Garpax. Yeah, we really are. Our three-man GM idea is <laughs> phenomenal. Still, it's still a lot better off than what a lot of these nincompoops are doing. Yeah, we traded him for cash considerations. We we basically gave him away. So, uh, because he was going to want too much money because he was a good player, and you know we don't value benches. Instead, we you know do nothing. God damn it! Washington has the second worst road winning percentage in the NBA. Only behind us is Brooklyn. Oh, I thought it was going to be Philly. No, no, Philly is ahead of us. Brooklyn is so bad. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Brooklyn is the only team that has a worse winning percentage on the road than the Wizards. Philadelphia has one. Phoenix has one. Dallas has one. Uh, it's just Washington. <laughs> Good times. Why is that? I, I, you know, I don't know. I used to think that they used to play better on the road because I thought when they were at home they had too many distractions. They had, you know, too many friends and knew where to go that when they were at home, they just couldn't focus. But when they were on the road, they didn't they didn't know what to do. But now I don't know. I guess they're too used to being on the road. They know all the uh, good strip clubs and uh, BJ joints that Dude, the Spurs have not lost on the road yet. That's, That's crazy. Disgusting. It's crazy. They're 11 and 0. Oh, my God. Yeah, nobody even and nobody talks about that. We don't even consider them winning a championship. The Spurs? Yeah. I have sixteen and three for the Spurs record on the road. Uh oh wait, I have uh I have that up to December, I'm sorry. Yeah, I have sixteen and three for the Spurs record. Yeah, that's right. still you're really right. good. Right, you're right. They have the best road record in the league. Still. Cle- Cleveland has the next best oh hang on, I'm sorry. Totally wrong. No. Golden State. Yep. Yeah, it's Cleveland. It's uh San Antonio and Golden State. Yep. So anybody else, does anyone care to talk about Charlotte or Atlanta in the East? Because I don't. Atlanta's stripping all their parts. Dwight Howard is Dwight Howard. They realize Dennis Schroeder is not a thing. No, he sucks. I love that little blonde strip he's got in his hair, though. Yeah. Everybody that's, does. That's, that's... Everybody wants to just punch. Don't you just want to punch him in the face like, yep. every time you see him? Yep. He's just got one of those faces. <laughs> it's like you the just, guy. You just... Ah! It's the, the guy in uh, Step Brothers. If you don't do something about your face, I just really <laughs> want to punch it. It's, it's sad when you look at James, looking at the alert that just came on my phone. James Harden, 26, 12, and 8. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a quiet night. Like anyone else yeah. would be like, that's a fantastic night. But no, uh, it's a quiet night, 26, 12, and 8 for James Harden compared to Russell Westbrook's 49 points. Well, wow. Nene won the game for him on free throws. I hate Nene so I can't, much. I, no, no. Let me rephrase. I hate Nene so much. I wish he was still here instead of freaking Ian, Ma- Ian Mahimi. I, I no way. I can't no. believe I'm going to say this, but I think I would have taken Nene over Andrew Nicholson. How I, could you not? Because at you least want Nene to know why? Because he something. makes like half half the cost too. He's coming. Nene's making less than two mil. He's taking yeah. veterans minimum for the value. Cause he, absolutely. Because he likes to. Be, he liked Houston. He almost signed there when he signed the big contract with Denver. He really wanted to sign in in um, 
Houston, but Denver offered him so much damn money that he couldn't turn it down. Is there anybody yes. else? Any other rocks in the East we haven't covered? Boston? I don't think Boston's very good. I think Boston actually. So Boston had there was some stat that Boston like they traveled so much in the first three game, the first three months of the season that they could have like circled the Earth twice or something, or like circled the Earth an entire time. That's how many road miles they traveled in the first three months of the season. They have, I think they've they've had twenty road games already this year. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. So that's unfair. It's, that's it's a, crap. A lot of it is just they're, you know, getting that out of their system. They still don't have a, a guy. I'm kind of happy to see that Al Horford has not, like, been amazing over there. That's my spitefulness. You want to know who is amazing? Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas has been fantastic. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I and think they'll he's get it totally together. tradable. They'll be fine. They're, they've got the third seed locked in. It's not like anyone's going to take it over, take over them. Yeah. Oh, and they still have the the Nets pick next year. And they don't the know problem, what to do with draft picks, though, man. They I, don't know what to do with draft picks, and they don't know what to do with young players because eventually they're going to have to pay the next contract, and they've got too many guys that are almost ready guys. to get paid. So you got to start you, ditching guys at some point. Can you imagine if they got so? I guess if they had like score Jimmy Butler in the off season, Isaiah probably wouldn't be having the season he's having. Like not even close. Or does Horford go there? Well, Horford wouldn't have gone. I don't think they would have been able to pay him. I don't think that would have worked for them. But I'd, I'd, that, yeah, that. I wonder if Boston, because this draft, this upcoming draft, let's say they keep Brooklyn's pick, just for the sake of hypotheticals, if. They keep Brooklyn's pick, and they get like a let's say they get the number one overall pick. This draft is really rich in playmaking point guards, and I wonder like they get draft a playmaking point guard. That is something that fits really well for them. But then they have a glut of point guards. None, none of them are really good. Like you have Isaiah Thomas, who's he's fantastic, but he's a sixth man. Like he's microwave offense at its finest. And then you have Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart. So like you have guys, and they're fine individually. It's Terry Rozier and Terry Rozier, right? So like. <laughs> But like, I'm not saying you know they all have to be John Wall or anybody like that. But none of them are that. That's why the I you know in in Simmons sliding doors column, the idea of Wall going there actually makes so much sense. It's terrifying to think about it, and I don't want him to leave town in any way, shape, or form. But it just it made a lot of sense. Yeah, Especially, I mean, if they get the, a top pick in the draft, though, they have to take, they have to go best player, and then you just deal what you have. Or what if they flip it for John Wall? I'm not gonna flip it for John. Exactly, we're not gonna we're not trading him yet because we'll ask for some exorbitant price, just like everything else is going on in the NBA right now. We'll ask for some ridiculous price to make any deal for a superstar, which no one's gonna pay for, and then we're just gonna have John Wall and a bunch of guys who Ernie's gonna surround him with, kind of like Butler. Kind of like Butler, yeah. But our guys were at least on two-year contracts. Like we don't have Jan Mahimi making. You know, sixty-four mil over four years. You wish you had Andrew Nicholson. <laughs> like, do we? Do you remember like the scouting reports on him? All the scouting reports, like this guy might not be good at basketball. Like every yeah. single guy we signed, they're like, he's really actually not good at basketball, but he's got tools that make you think he may be. But he's really not. Like Andrew Nicholson was like, they're like, he's really smart. 
He's just not good at basketball. But he's really smart. He can show you how to work a Rubik's Cube, guys. Yeah. Okay. That's That's what we need on this team. You guys have to pay Otto Porter before you have to pay Wall, too. That'll be really interesting. Like, I would love to say that we would sign Otto Porter to an Alan Crabb deal, but um, it's it's going to be more than that. Entertainment waiting to happen in 20, 2018. Oh, we have, yeah. we're going to have to pay uh, Alan Crabb money to Otto Porter. It's going to happen. No, it's going to be no, more than gonna that. it's going to be more. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be max. They're going to give him a max damn contract. No. He's not a max player. That's what everybody's calling for. They're calling for a max contract for Otto Porter. You're going to give like, Otto Porter. Just think about that. How unfathomable that is for a second. You're going to give a max contract to Otto Porter. Because the theory is, is that somebody else will. Then let them. Then let them. See, uh, I wish it was like the the NFL, where like you know you lose a restricted free agent and you get like these compensatory picks, and it it's it's really not like a bad thing when a guy leaves. Um. In the NBA, no. When a guy leaves, you just get nothing. So it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate. So here's some of my favorite teams make bad choices about the Wizards bench. Um, Trey Burke, average athlete, undersized, and backup level athleticism. Excellent. That's uh, that's good (laughs) stuff right there. (laughs) But you know what? We didn't want our second round pick next year, anyways. Um, Andrew Nicholson, force lacking from his game, slow for his position, and not much leaping ability. Doesn't get any <laughs> offensive boards. <laughs> Sounds like a winner. Yep, gotta get that guy. <laughs> gotta get that guy. And not at a minimum. No, no, no. Gotta get him at, like, the mid-level exception. Um, Jason Smith, big player with limited power subpar and subpar rebounding. Um, loves to take obnoxious long twos. Oh, that's exactly what you want. That's I'm what he big does. Man. That's what drives me nuts. He <laughs> takes terrible, terrible mid-range twos, and, and he sucks at them. It's incredible. I don't even know if these scouting reports are intentionally comedy or like if they just ended up that way. <laughs> They're totally on point, though. That's the worst part. Hey, and no. you're like, oh, wait, you want to know who saw all these reports? Oh, the Wizards uh, scouting staff. Somebody in the front office either completely missed on these scouting reports or saw these and thought, eh, we'll sign him anyway. Did they like decide to like look at stats and not look at scouting reports? Or did they just go, that guy plays basketball, so we'll give him money. If you're a fantasy, foot- a fantasy basketball GM, you could construct a better roster. Absolutely. Incredible. There'd be no Andrew Nicholson on my team. There'd be uh, no Jason Smith. Jason Smith's advanced stats over 40 minutes projects to 18 turnovers a game. <laughs> <laughs> this is comedy at its finest. He averages more turnovers than rebounds per game. He's seven feet tall. He must be a good ball handler. Incredible. Yeah. He's he's a really good shooter, but he only shoots like forty percent. See, it's because he's not smart. You want somebody smart there, right? <laughs> <laughs> or or he's just too big, so you want to get somebody who's undersized. 
The three-year, $15 million contract with a third-year the third year player option and, like, question marks and exclamation points that the Wizards gave Jason Smith was rather puzzling for a 30-year-old who ranked 61st among power forwards in RPM. Jeez. Are there, there's 61 power forwards? That's That's just, like... I don't know how Wall cannot feel slighted by by what transpired. You know he's not publicly saying it because like he got ripped on so much, but just they should have just extended him right then and there and made him yep. the top dog. It, it's yep. like what they did is just totally like unacceptable. Even even though it's only going to buy him, I think like one year, maybe two years, just showing him the money and that you give a shit and be like. No, dude, you really are our best player, and that's why we're making you our highest paid player. That's what they needed to do, and they didn't. They decided to sign overpay for hobos. Andrew Nicholson's PER is eight, <laughs> eight points below the league average. I was going to say it's negative, right? He has a negative PER. Like the league average PER for his position is apparently like right around fifteen or sixteen, and Andrew Nicholson is at seven. I'm surprised it's that high. Yeah. I thought it'd be like negative two. How's uh, how's Sadoransky been looking? Yeah, like a euro that's yeah. still yeah. figuring he, out the game. Yeah, he has no clue what he's doing, so he never plays. He played like to start the season, and then Scott Brooks is like, "No, nah, never mind." So we can give more minutes to Marcus Thornton. Yep, and that's what drives me nuts. I'm like, I'd rather see Sato. But you know what? Scott Brooks is good at developing young talent. So, you know, Sadoransky, by the second half of the season, he's going to be getting 24 minutes a game and being all-star level. Marcus Thornton, point, size of a point guard, but not really, doesn't really put up much effort and is a total liability to other, at either guard spot. Will get his shots up, but he can't get to the rim and has lost his athleticism. And he's fat. Do they have anything positive to say about anybody aside from Wall? <laughs> well, aside from the starting five and Kelly Oubre. I do like Kelly Oubre. I, I... Um, Marcus Norton stagnated and his once combustible <laughs> score... <laughs> His once combustible scoring has regressed to the point where his inability to do anything has made him unplayable. Not in Washington. Oh, but no, God. he gets consistent minutes. He's he's got to average at least like sixteen minutes a game. This is like stand up comedy for the NBA. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and oh, these scouting reports—they're public record. They're just on the internet. Yeah, I'm reading this on this really no remote website called ESPN.com. Yeah. No, no, nobody can access these things. It's top secret documents. Christ Almighty. All right. On that note, thank you guys for joining. It is probably approaching everyone's bedtime this fine Thursday evening. And for those of you who have stayed into the podcast this long, thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you haven't done so, please make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us some feedback. Leave us a review, positive or negative. Feel free to lament uh, how bad the Wizards are doing. Or if you care about the Bulls, you can talk about that too. Until next time. Thank you guys, and we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.